The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Here's your host Ira, Ira Wolf. Wolf. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Googleization Nation and the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show. You see, we got a familiar face here, uh, Keith. I still can't get used to the new, to the opening because I'm still waiting for that other split second of it's Ira Wolf and Keith Compagna. So right. welcome back to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Yeah, buddy, it's bittersweet, right? <laughs> Even I was sitting there going, oh, that's what it sounds like when my name's not there. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, every time it's like, oh, I got like another two seconds before I can speak and, and, <laughs> and I don't, I don't have anymore. So you gave me two seconds back to my life, I guess. <laughs> right. But, uh, we we right. missed you and so does everybody else. And I, I know uh, uh, our guest today, Torin uh, Ellis, uh, who will be bringing on in just a minute. We're not going to do a whole lot of intro today um, because we, we want to get to him. We want to maximize his time on here and appreciate you being back because you uh, you formalized it. Uh, I reached out to Torin a while ago, but you you have the better bigger influence. So uh, he'll be he'll be coming on uh, very shortly. So I uh, really do appreciate that. But it's good to be back and have you back in the seat. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I don't know if I have more influence, but I've got that pain in the ass sales persistence thing where I wasn't about to let him go. I mean, Torin has made an amazing, he doesn't, he, he probably knows it by now, but the influence he made when we met was legit. It was sincere. Uh, and then I watched him speak and, and it took me two years, but here we are. I finally got to talk to him a little bit more. <laughs> I appreciate that persistence and, and glad to hear things are going well for you uh, as well with the ROI shop and, and <laughs> things going on. So life moves on. Um, I, we, we need to kind of make sure everybody, again, we appreciate everybody being here, but we're, we're living in some challenging times right before the show. We we're talking about even your kids, you know, your you know, father, uh, you know, father of two kids. Uh, and, um, you know, it's what's going to happen in, in the next couple of days or after the holidays. Uh, I know a lot of schools are shutting down. Um, business, you know, it's, it's getting pretty ugly out there. So we do, we're pleading with everybody. Uh, it's pretty simple stuff. Um, you know, take your precautions, wear your masks, uh, keep your distance. Uh, and we do hope that everyone uh, listening is safe. Uh, do what it do what it takes to get beyond this. We we got that those vaccines hopefully coming up, and but it's not going to be an overnight fix. Uh, but uh, we want to get back to some sense of normal, uh, whatever that is, and we won't get into that that whole discussion um, because again, with um, you know our conversation today about social justice, diversity, inclusion, um, you know equality. Uh, it, you know, we, we don't want to go back to normal because normal wasn't very healthy. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and for me, I, I, I have an optimistic, I have a positive outlook. I, I tend to see the, the, the positive in, in pretty much everything. And I can't help but think that it's because we've had to go through what we have these last couple months. As a country, we've exposed our, our wounds. We've exposed our weaknesses. We've exposed our strengths. And it's to having Torrin, like, I'm so happy there are people like Torrin out there that actually has such a bigger stage now because, you know, this idea of inclusion is very, very sensitive because some people argue for it, some people argue they don't realize they're arguing against it. Then you have history that the momentum of the way businesses are run and the, and the change with students and uh, technology, and there's so much opportunity for good to come out of the other side of this tunnel. You know, I don't want anyone's parents or kids to get sick from COVID, so act compassionately, put on a mask when you go outside. It's gonna be cold out most of the places anyway. 
So just be cool, be calm. We'll get through this and listen to what Torin Ellis has to say. <laughs> yeah, that, no, for sure. So, hey, I, I, I want to give, I, I want to make sure we maximize the time on, and, and get as much out of uh, Torin as we possibly can because I know he has a lot to say. Um, so we're going to bring him on. Uh, we have got, uh, I, you know, I, I looked at so many different places, uh, and and I also he sent me his bio too. Uh, you know, he's listed as a diversity strategist, a human capital strategist. Uh, he's the author of Rip the Resume. Uh, he's the host of Career Mix, which is on Sirius XM. Uh, he's the co-host of a great podcast. Uh, if you don't have a, having a chance to listen to it, listen to it in the last couple of weeks, you, you want to talk about authenticity, transparency, integrity, honesty, just an open conversation of stuff that's going on every week. Uh, he's co-host the crazy and the king. Um, so it's crazy and the king. Um, I'm, I'll we'll check which one he is if he's crazy, or the, <laughs> crazy or the king. Uh, so um, Torin, hopefully you're you're there. There he is. Hey, welcome to Geek Caesars and Globalization. Yes, indeed. Thank you ever so much. You know I appreciate you all for having me. And real quick, Ira and Keith, if I can do this uh, for those that may have a visible disability, I'm wearing a gray sleeveless hoodie with white letters on it for mind, body, and spirit. Uh, I'm sitting in front of a piece of artwork that has about 50 to 75 different colors of burgundy and maroon. And shout out to all of the people on the LGBTQIA spectrum and their allies because this is Transgender Awareness Week of 2020. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And thank you. And again, it's 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 the awareness. I mean, even though we're in, you know, Keith and I and and so, and so many of us are, are in the throes of it, there's so much going on, and we over we, we still overlook it. We we want to be aware of that 360. We want to be perceptive of everything going on. But so thank you very much. And and Torin, I know we were talking right before the show. You've got a crazy schedule and uh, carving out a couple minutes to to be here. Really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, I'm probably the only one that that some some of the things that are happening. I want to put this in perspective as the as the older baby boomer, or as I like to say, the old white guy. Um, I've, been, you know, I guess it's somewhat of guilt. I mean, I remember I grew up in the '50s. And, oh, I didn't. I grew up. I was too young in the '50s to understand anything going on. But in the '60s, um, I remember the riots in the streets. Uh, I remember the civil rights engagement coming in. Um, I remember, you know, it was terrifying. I mean, we were seeing cities burn down and then all of a sudden, you know, a whole other generation comes in and, and people forget about that because they weren't there. But what we're guilty of, and again, being sort of the old white guy, is that, hey, things are getting better. The world is improving. We see all these things. We see laws and regulations and all these changes. And in fact, um, it incrementally improved, but the world advanced. And what this year did, what, was sort of bring it all to a head. So I, I'm asking you, Torin, I, I want to kick this off because I know there's a lot of messages here. I, I want to kick this off. Is this different? Is 2020 truly different than what we experienced in the past? Or is this just going to be headline news? We're going to get a new administration and then everybody's going to go back to their normal. And this isn't normal the way we treat people. Yeah, I think it's a little too early for us to say whether or not it's different. In the moment, we could say short term, you know, what we feel at this particular time, we think it's different. It feels different. Folks and organizations seem to be a bit more serious around their diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging initiatives and their efforts. Individuals inside of these organizations seem to be a bit more thirsty, a bit more curious about how they are going to pursue change in their organization. But I hearken back to the 60s, and I want to remind you that the only reason why the 60s really blew up the way that it did is because we finally had some video cameras down there to witness Bloody Sunday, to witness Bloody Sunday, to witness Bloody Sunday. And so when we have camera, and we've had camera in years leading up to 2020, but when we have camera and when we have pause because we are in this catastrophic, catastrophic pandemic, it tends to make it a little bit different. And so the hope for me and people like me, people like you, Ira and Keith, and so many others, the hope is that this is different. But the only way that it'll be that way is that we cannot have white men that continue to be complacent, that continue to accept mediocrity. We cannot have white women baking apple pies 
for racist white men. We can't do that. We cannot have them baking apple pies and patting them on the back, knowing that they are doing the shit that they were doing down in Charlottesville. We can't do that. We can't have black men and women fatigued, tired, because they've heard this narrative over and over and over and over and over again. If nothing else shows you what we can do, what well, we did it this week, we have people in outer space yet again, yet again in outer space. And we are still struggling with trying to say, well, we need a business case or we can't find black and brown talent or we don't know how to really uh, uh, bring veterans into our workplace or we got all of these excuses. We just need to drop the excuses and figure out how to do the work. Torn, do you think that the, so I, I know this, so I'll say, you tell me if I'm wrong, but this has to stop, start this initiative, this continuation of integration has to start at the top of every organization. Do you think that there are enough leaders catching on to this as a true you know, I'm going to say it because that's the thing that tends to get business leaders thinking, a business initiative. Or are there going to be HR leaders that get out of their comfort zone and start to stand up for what needs to be done and what needs to take place from an HR perspective? Where do you see this coming in? Uh, or a, probably maybe a combination of both. What are you seeing? Yeah, I'm actually going to address that in uh, two different ways. So I would say that when we think about leadership and where it should start, I want to immediately attach that to something that we always talk about, culture. And so we think that culture and leadership and HR have something to do with that. And they do, Keith. However, culture starts inside of a person's circumstance and their condition. I want to circumstance and condition. So when I rise up in the morning... I have circumstances and condition that I'm in in my household, just like you have in your household, and so does Ira. So before we are a leader, before we are a politician, before we are a supply chain manager, before we are a pastor, before we are any of those titles, we are an individual. So it starts with the individual. That person brings a mindset to the solution, to the equation. That person bring some intentionality and proximity and empathy and situational awareness under consideration. So sure, it starts with leadership, but Keith, it starts with the person. You got to have in your heart, in your mind, you got to say to yourself, well, we haven't done a good enough job and whatever that is, and we can do better. And so I am going to be committed to doing better. I'm going to make sure my leadership is committed to doing better. My mid-level uh, mid leadership is committed to doing better. My employees are committed to doing better. We drive it down through the organization, but we also have to push it up as well. And so I really feel like the only way, the only way that we are going to really make substantive progress is when we have every single person moving in a direction that says we're working to be and to do better. Ira, got anything? Because yeah. I could keep going here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 my, I'm sort of blowing my mind here. So I, again, I, I, I'm still, I'm struggling with our how do we, how do we keep that? I, I get it, how, but how do we keep this moving? There's, there's so many distractions going on. Um, Tori, you, you mentioned in a couple places. Uh, I, I can't remember. I listened to so many interviews that you did, but I, I know one of them. You, one of the questions was we responded pretty quickly to COVID. And yet, I mean, that was like overnight. And yet for, well, for an eternity, but especially for 50 years, we've been struggling to address racial inequality, social inequality, social inequities, the whole gamut. Um, wh why were companies so, why were we able to flip the switch overnight in one respect, but in the other, we're still trying to figure out even how to communicate about it. Yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to the way that you originally set up the first question. You set it up with how you were or how you matriculated through your youth, entered into uh, manhood, and then in many ways, Ira, have operated in your professional career. And I am in no way suggesting that that sequence or that course, that journey is racist. 
I'm not I'm not saying that, suggesting that. I'm saying that we need to be more intentional. Now Ira is intentional. Ira sees it now. And you may have seen it in the past, but it just didn't land the way that it landed in 2020. And so what I'm saying is that if organizations, every single organization figured out how within a two-week period to take their operations from one way of doing it to a distributed, agile way of doing it, remote way of doing it, if we can do that with thousands, tens of thousands of people, equipment and every other thing, then why can't we do that as it relates to building high-performing teams? Why can't we do that as it relates to looking at learning and development and onboarding and the hiring sequence? Why can't we do that as it looks at corporate social responsibility and philanthropic giving and board governance and technology stacks? Every single value point in the organization should be looked at for how are we looking at diversity and inclusion? How are we looking at representation and equity? Every single value point should be looked at. And the only reason we haven't done it is because we haven't made it a priority. There are people right now, Ira, that say, you know what? Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm one of those people. Enough is enough. And so I have a lot of organizations that reach out to me. And the first thing that they'll say is, I want unconscious bias training. And I'll say, well, you definitely don't want me. A, because I don't believe in it. And B, I'm not a trainer. You haven't even done the research. I'm a person who helps build high-performing teams, either through a talent acquisition or down from the top through uh, leadership, leadership that has a tranquilizer of pause in their forearm. I rip that tranquilizer out, and we help them get started. Too many organizations just want to put a Band-Aid on it and just do unconscious bias training and call it a day. Right, right. Waste of time. Yep. Yeah, what the world needs, what businesses need, and and a lot of individuals isn't training. They need coaching, right? They need to see the long term. They need to recognize that expectations-wise, it feels like to me, Torin, that people think that they have to change the way they are and they have to question everything that they grew up with, right? Because we all have these unconscious biases that literally shape 60 to 70% of our or more habits every single day. And we have a tendency to feel threatened by that. And it feels like like you're 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 a passionate speaker and you have the you have the balls and the brains to put it out there and say what needs to be done, but you've never once seemed aggressive. You you're so compassionate. And for me, I I, I love the idea of having compassion being part of the the project here. If you want to love your neighbor, you have to love yourself. If you want to see change in the world, you have to make change inside of yourself. And no one, I feel, tell me if I'm wrong here, but no one's ever asked anyone to change overnight. The expectation isn't this, this, you know, as much as COVID changed things quickly, I don't think that's the same expectation here. It's the desire for a lot of people, but truth be told, it's not the desire for a lot of people also. So, how are you helping people recognize that they could change without feeling threatened? Yeah, I first and foremost, uh, I, I start every presentation and and somewhere in my engagements, I try to remind people that I operate off of the two most powerful words, which are love and process. That if I love you, Ira, you really are not questioning whether or not what Torrin said is um, of, of genuine or if it has any animus in it. But if you don't know that I love you, now you have to process it. Now I got to process how Torrin entered into this conversation. And you tend to understand, yes, he's passionate. He moves with a great deal of velocity and energy, but that he does mean well. He, he, he cares for us, for me, the mission. So I always remind people, Keith, that love and process are the way that I'm going to always, always show up. The second thing that I do is I try to show people that this is a journey with no finish line. I don't want to finish doing diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I don't ever want to finish that. I don't want to finish iterating on my product roadmap or on the way that we offer our products and services in our organization. I don't want any other organization. I don't want to finish. I want to always be present as it relates to being connected to humanity. How can I do better? How can I do better for 
people in the LGBTQ community. Ira, you mentioned, well, which one is torn? Crazy or the king? I'm the king. Julie is bipolar. She's crazy. <laughs> but we do that for a reason. Because she wants people to understand that she is fully fun she is a highly functioning individual. She has a hidden disability. And as a white woman, she can get away with certain things and you may not ever see it, but she has a hidden disability. We were purposeful in naming it Crazy and the King. I want myself to be constantly submitted to how do I do better with the audience of people with disabilities? So Keith, the answer is it's a journey that has no finish line. I've looked at what organizations have done over the last 100 years. 100. And so even with all of that history poured into how I show up and work on engagement and speak and show up in podcasts like this, I'm still always submitting myself to how can I be better? How can I show up better? It's Transgender Awareness Week. I got a lot to learn if I want to be a better ally for people on the LGBTQIA spectrum. So I'm even submitting myself how do you show up better? How do I be a better human? So, so Tor, I mean, j just in the title, let me go back to that because I know there's, there's, and, and I'm, I'm including myself in there. So I'm, I'm even learning how to negotiate the conversation here. Um, is, is there will be people that say, well, you shouldn't have crazy in the title because that's not politically correct. We shouldn't talk about people who have a mental illness as being crazy. Um, so how do we negotiate, you know, you may not even have an answer, but what could you advise others of how do we negotiate that conversation? Because there's this sense of that's not the politically correct thing to say or the right thing to say, even going back to your conscious bias. We, we, need, we need to get that out of the way. But on the other hand is we're walking on, you know, there's a sense of we're walking on eggshells. I don't want to say the right, the wrong thing. We got this whole thing going on with Black Lives Matter. Is that, oh, it's not Black Lives Matter, or is it? Or all humans' lives matter. So then we, we end up in this didactic academic conversation of what's the right way to say it and get parallel, paralyzed by not changing our behavior. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say to you that you're going to make a mistake. Uh, September of 2019, I was in Detroit, Michigan, standing in a room of about 500 individuals. I said three words, and those three words offended a young black man in the audience. What I said was in my presentation, you ain't black. Now I'm not gonna go into the entire uh, you know, scenario, but I'm, I'm sharing with you that in that moment, in mentioning those three words, I lost him for the entire presentation. He complained to HR and the organizers of the event. And I ended up making a donation to a nonprofit of his choosing as part of my apology, a public apology to everyone in the room, a private apology to him, a donation to a nonprofit of his choosing, period. It wasn't about my intent, it was my impact. I made a mistake, owned it, kept it moving. I haven't lost a day of sleep from right. that infraction. Right. So what I'm saying is that as ardent as I am, even I make mistakes. So yes, there are some people out there that may be offended or question why we call it crazy and the king or some people out there in HR that want to say all lives matter, which, uh, you know, is a whole nother annoyance for me in and of itself. But, but my point is, if in fact we really care about doing better, then we will table our fragility. We will table our ego and we will submit ourselves to a degree of listening because a condition of progress is to allow those that are suffering to speak their truth. It has nothing to do with your truth, Ira. Mm -hmm. If I'm suffering and I'm telling you that Black Lives Matter because we've had a number of infractions that suggested that they don't, shut up and listen because I'm speaking truth, trying to move us towards progress. So it's not about fragility. It's not about our ego. It's not about being combative. It's just like, okay, well, let me let me at least get their perspective so I can try to figure out how we figure out how to move better in this work. Right. And this is, and no man is an island, right? You, you're doing a lot of work, dude, and I love you for it. 
what are some of the things that you're seeing become a little, maybe there's regionalized messaging and regionalized organizations that people that are listening to the podcast, because I know we're kind of whittling down our time here. How do we get this to spread this much more toward every single day? How, what, what, what do, what do people need to know or, yeah, or know I, about? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first and foremost, it's whenever someone is listening to this, you hit share. This is a conversation that you share. And you encourage your friends to share it. See, we are quick to share, you know, entertainment. We're quick to share something about a new piece of technology, but we are reticent. We are hesitant to share a conversation uh, around race and relations and, you know, equity. We, we are slow to hit that keyboard. You know, we got to share that. You know, we got to share that. So I think part of how we do it is we got to introduce people to the conversation and let them know that it really is okay. It's okay to not know what phrase to say and did I make a mistake? It's okay for Ira to perhaps step on an eggshell and it's all right. As long as he's engaged with people that are genuine, like myself, then you have nothing to worry about. Like, I'm only gonna correct you. I'm only gonna talk about it or or why do you feel that way? But we gotta share it. We gotta be in proximity of the information we got to know that it is all right for us to have what we call courageous or uncomfortable conversation. One thing that I'm going to say to you, Keith, is this. I don't want to hear another CEO or executive say to me, what's the business case for diversity and inclusion? Hmm. Not one, because we revere them. We see them as being intelligent individuals, business acumen. They are sharp top of their game. We give them all of these adjectives and character traits of adoration. We do that. Well, three weeks ago, Citibank released a report and the report said that racism has cost the Americas uh, $16 trillion in GDP since 2000. Sure. That if we keep doing what we're doing, it's going to cost us another $5 trillion in GDP. Now, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but 16 trillion and 21 trillion dollars is a lot of money and it impacts a lot of our companies, a lot of the business units and the teams that we are in and a part of. So if nothing else, you take that report and you say, I, as an organization, have to do better, which is the reason why Citibank committed $300 million towards addressing social injustice and racism and financing for uh, black and brown businesses and so many other aspects of living our daily life. Hey, hey Torin, we're, we're just getting started here. Uh, we, we can, and, and again, would love to have you back, continue this conversation. If not, I know other people, um, people need to keep listening to you. Um, but before I get there, you mentioned a couple things. L- love the phrase, and this came up from Joyce, who will be joining us shortly. Um, she says, love the table our fragility. Are you familiar with um, Nassim Talib? Does that name ring a bell? Um, look him up. He's got something called, he talks about anti-fragility. We okay. talk about fragility, but we don't necessarily have a description or we didn't talk about what's the concept of anti-fragility. Yeah. yeah. And it's beyond resilience. You know, it, it's beyond that bouncing back. So uh, again, when you did that, it just resonated and clicked. And, and, the, and, and what I learned today was we need to keep, it's okay to make mistakes. We, we talk about that all the time, but all of a sudden, when we talk about social justice and race, racial equality and diversity and inclusion, all of a sudden, it's not okay to make mistakes. And no. I appreciate your message is, yeah, it is. We're going to make mistakes. Yeah, we don't have to be perfect, but I think we have to do something. And so, you know, one thing that we, Keith and I, we met in September when, when I was speaking in Orlando and my signature presentation for 2020 was or is less allyship, more action. Well, I haven't given it because I'm only going to give it when I hit a stage with a room full of people. But the bottom line and the takeaway from this conversation is we all have to be more active. We can do more than what we've done. It's not uh, categorizing you as a bad person. It just simply says, look back, take inventory, and then figure out how you show up differently doing more because humanity is what's important. I'll close on the ROI of DNI is greater humanity. The ROI of DNI is greater humanity.
Darn. All people need to do is go search for Torrent Ellis in, in, in Google. But what's what are other ways that they can get a hold of you, have a conversation with you? Yeah, across all of social media at Torrent Ellis. Real simple. Uh, I don't hide. I'm I'm visible. I'm out there. I'm ready to roll all the time. And, and uh, yeah, that, definitely true. Uh, Torin, again, we're just scratching the surface here. Appreciate it so much. Starting the message. This will be shared. Uh, believe me, this will be out there. Uh, our cro- our paths will continue to cross. We live in too many inner <laughs> circles that are going on. Uh, appreciate your message. Grateful for for you. Uh, and uh, thank you for uh, leading the way. The wounds of honor are often self-inflicted. Honor is something that each of us is born with. Honor is something that cannot be given. Honor is something that cannot be taken. Honor is something that must only not be lost. I'm looking for people who want to operate with honor. It was said by Morgan Freeman in the movie The Last Night on Netflix. Ira and Keith, thank you for having me and my voice. Thank you, Torn. Appreciate it. Do your thing, bro. Thank you. Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303. A lot of you might be feeling like you're standing in deep shift, but do you know what grows and rises out of deep shift? Opportunity. To successfully navigate the shift to the new normal, each of us must learn to rapidly adapt to the speed of change. Some of us are hardwired for this. Others, not so much. That's where Success Performance Solutions can help. Success Performance Solutions is now your AQ headquarters. Whether you are personally struggling with the next chapter in your career or wondering how ready your team is for fast, disruptive change, our AQ assessment and coaching will provide you a detailed, scientifically-backed roadmap to guide you into the new normal. Optimize your adaptability today. Contact Success Performance Solutions about evaluating your team's change readiness or joining our upcoming AQ Masterclass. Visit SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com or call us at 800-803-4303. We, wow, need to take a breath from that, don't we? The man just delivers. He's real. And it's a real concept that he's bringing to the table. I mean... All right, it's it's so interesting to me because personally, I know I, I listen. I was born a white male American. That's not my fault anymore. That I'm 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 now losing my eyesight, right? Like, but when I t- when and when I speak with my parents, I absolutely recognize what what Torn was talking about. He's talking about like it's okay to feel like you've done something wrong, but it's not your fault. It's okay to have a sense of vulnerability. And and what the part that I'm really hopeful for is that these conversations kind of move through the process quickly, right? Because if people hold on to feeling vulnerable, if they feel bad about what they've done or how they were raised, I mean, it's, it's a legitimate idea to think the people that grew up but with parents that were, you know, could have been racist, you know, grandparents that still they're, they're, they're racist. They grew up with racism all around them. It's okay to have that conversation and accept the fact that, Hey, time has moved on. That model doesn't matter anymore. I don't want to minimize it, but it doesn't have to be the end all be all. It could be something that we discuss and we, we let it go and we open ourselves up to new ideas, new emotions. If you're walking through war- your life feeling vulnerable and feeling scared, if you put that down, you might start feeling better. You might start feeling love, which feels way better. Well, I guess I'm back to hosting the podcast once again. You know, I think that there's something to be said, too, in terms of the way you see these larger organizations 
starting to trickle down. I, I really believe, I want to believe that this isn't lip service anymore, that this is something that companies are going to continue to chip away at. And I know as long as Torrin is out there doing it, there's going to be a lot more activity, a lot more things to do. There's going to be multiple reasons for companies to engage their communities, to put back into the put energies back into their communities, to open up the conversation so that individuals, both on a recruiting sense, current employees and other stakeholders, they're going to find that ROI that Torin was talking about. And since since I lost Ira, I'm going to see if there are any comments here. So there was a question here. You want to come on in here? I don't know if I could get you in here. Yes. Unmute yourself there. Okay, great. Hey, how are you, Keith? I'm I'm doing well. Given given the joy show show today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, given the 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 gravitas of what Torin was talking about, Mm -hmm. for us to be talking about these superficial. Co- uh, other concepts of travel and and hotels. I mean, you know, it just seems like there's a disconnect there. And what I wanted to talk about was what each of us can do, what each individual can do to contribute to the conversation and to what h- how we can support changing the world. Yeah. And and I I want to share with you what I'm doing. May I? Absolutely. Please do. So I belong to the Institute of Management Consultants. And uh, they wanted to address Black Lives Matter when it was, you know, people were, were in the streets and it was a problem. So I wrote a position statement for them. And in it, it said, and sadly, it's gone nowhere, but in it, it said that we would be ready to help uh, any government or city or anything, any organization that needed our help as consultants to address these issues and the issues of systemic racism. And it was very frustrating for me that it didn't go anywhere. Well, it just so happens that I graduated from a private school in New Orleans. And when I graduated from that school, there were no African-American people there. In fact, uh, I, w- I was in high school in the era where they were creating schools so that, so that uh, black people and white people wouldn't be able to go to school together. And it was, I, I grew up with a with such a limited existence that some years later i discovered i did have that unconscious bias mm-hmm. that 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 i feared that i had and so i have made a special uh effort to address that i i serve as chair of the board of the women's foundation of north carolina I serve on the board, advisory board for a three-tiered mentoring program in North Carolina for for young women at risk who are tutored, I'm sorry, mentored by their peers, graduates, and then professional women. And recently, I decided that I would take on uh, a young man and I say young advisedly because he is 39, uh, as a project. I met him when my, my high school, that same school that I, I shared with you about, and he graduated from it. And he was a, also a graduate of Stanford, and he has like three master's degrees or something. And I'm helping him to find the right position for him. He actually is an expert in DNI, and he is going to be such an asset to some organization, and he just hasn't found the right spot yet. And I can see his potential. And so I am personally doing whatever I can, sending him notices about jobs and and doing personally that's what i'm doing as an individual what can each of us be
be doing, even if it's just reaching out within our community, there must be something that each of us can do. So Joyce, I'm going to, I'm going to answer that. Um, but I want to, I want to put an asterisk on this and say that I am very limited in my ultimate awareness of the way the world works, right? I, I have my path, I have my stories, but I also have awareness that the way I think doesn't necessarily mesh with the way that things could be in the best form. But I will tell you that I have spent an enormous amount of time whittling down, maybe not this specific emotional element, but whittling down what is it that gets keeps people from being happy, keeps people from living the life they want. And it's, it, it, I'm kind of uh, I'm massaging this here internally here because it really has something to do with the way Torin actually impressed me. And that was to say that when him and I met, I was speaking for uh, one of the first times as a professional. Like I've always been in sales, but to be in front of a couple hundred people twice in three days was a little bit of a thing for me. And I got to be able to, to because I was speaking, I got to go to the speaker happy hour. And when I started talking, I had to introduce myself to Torn. I had no idea who he was, but I had to. He has presence. And when I started telling him about my LifeWork Integration Project, which is Joyce, LifeWork Integration is my passion project where I, I truly want people to find ways to live a life they feel is worth living. And the number one thing that I've noticed that keeps people from doing that is they don't know what they want. And so I'm going to tie it all together and I'm going to do what you did. I'm going to just say, it's listen. The answer is listen. And if you're, if you are the one that's unhappy, listen to yourself. If there's someone in front of you that's unhappy, what do we do? We listen, right? The person that, that person that's talking or expressing themselves, when someone listens to them, they get it right away. And Joyce, the torrent, when I started telling him about my passion project, I knew from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, Torin was listening to me. Yeah. It's no yeah. surprise to me that he carries that kind of uh, energy with him. Right, right, right. Right? It's, so it's, it's it intently. It, it, I, when I teach this to clients, what I say is it's listening not only with your ears, but with your eyes and your heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I say it differently with my kids. I say, if you hear yourself thinking, just pause and then ask yourself to refocus on the person in front of you because this is a skill. And, you know, in sales, you have to listen. You want to, you can ask a million sales reps how, they, how successful they are. And then you take those same million and you get them to be tested in terms of their ability to listen intentionally listen. And I would probably, I would be surprised if it wasn't a one-to-one -one correlation. Listening is such an easy thing to explain. However, it takes time to develop. And so, you know, I, I sit back, I'm blessed. Two of my sisters are, are teachers, they're educators and they live in, they, they are fighting and they are working hard in inner city schools because they want to help the community, and they want the youth of our country, specifically in Philadelphia, to recognize that they have inner strength. And they're teaching so many skills about how to get into a system and then discover your own strengths within it. I, I, I hope that people, no matter what their race is, no matter what their income is, no matter where they started, they could take time to listen to how they feel about certain things. And, and like you saw in Anaira, we talked about this. Like we're talking about some heavy hitting topics here. We're talking about racism. We're talking about systemic uh, social uh, injustice, injustice. We're talking about the kind of things that it's easy to be uh, like to push back on and say, hey, I, it's not me. So like that to me, I, I love a, a country, I love a world that when someone says, hey, it's not me, they stop and they go, well, maybe, you know, how do I feel right now? Do I feel maybe like I'm a victim or do I feel like I might have something that I could do differently? And that's what I loved about Torin's answer, right, Ira? Just hey. do one thing differently. Do be a Welcome little back, different. Ira. 
Hey, 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 thanks for allowing me to be a guest on my show. Uh, you guys being uh, really the experts you are, is, uh, I'll have to go back and watch the, what the transition was, but yeah, I lost my internet. So, and then oh. I, you know, so I, I basically, agile, learning agility and multitasking, pick up my phone, get on my phone and realize it's on wireless. So that some of the, I didn't get on the wireless and then the rest of the internet came back. So, but I appreciate you, uh, you guys uh, being put, throwing the, the show in the hand, the pros. So, uh, but Joyce, I mean, it just reminds me of what we were talking about last week. We talked about empathy. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, when you talk about listening, people say, well, we need an active listening course. And we need to become better listeners. Well, you can't listen without empathy. I mean, it, it goes back to we, we keep regenerating this whole conversation. And, and empathy is more than just standing in somebody else's shoes and looking the other way. Because if, you're, if we just flip shoes and, and I'm looking at you and I'm listening to you on my show, have this conversation, it's like I also have to be listening to you. It's not like waiting for you to take a breath, breath so I can get back in. Um, <laughs> you have to truly be listening. And we don't. Um, you know, I couldn't, I, I can't help think, I mean, there's so much we've watched over, over the year, but one of the more touching films and, and, or movies uh, to, to understand what it's like to walk in the shoes of a black parent because we can think of you know i grew up uh, joyce you, you you grew up on this on the, on the same culture as well um you know we're both both have jewish heritage we're both and you know we, we still go back to six million of our people being lost and and frankly on my mother's side uh knew two or three uncles uh my grandparents uh and, and their brothers and sisters uh but seven of them have never met I mean, and, and all the relatives that came ground from there because they were all lost. But there was someone, there was a dissociation. It's like that happened, now we're past it and we're better. And then you realize we're not because it affected other races. Um, and the, there was a, a movie that we just watched on Netflix by Kerry Washington, and it was a Broadway play. And it was literally very, very heartfelt. And it was what it's like for a black parent to every time their child walks out their home, Right, feel and that, like, well, that, and they go. That's not yeah. the way it could be. And then it was a mixed marriage, so there was a white husband. It was a police detective. There was all these dynamics going on, yeah. and you're sitting there, just you, your eyes are filling up, and it's like this is what it's like to be fearful of every time your child walks out. It's not like be careful, watch for the crazy other driver. It is literally is, hey, if you get stopped, you may get shot by the people that are supposed to protect you. And that to me, that that was happening in 2020 is crazy because you and I are the only two other people left on this call that sort of remember going back to, oh, that was in the 60s. We're past that. That was in the 70s. We're past that. That was in the 80s. We're past that. No, we're not. Right. You know, and it's interesting, too, to hear that story and get your perspective, because, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Um, Dave Chappelle has been doing an amazing yeah. amount of work yeah. speaking about the idea that, like, you know, he has that gift, right, where he puts it out there, how people, we got to get together, and things are messed up. And if you feel like you've been neglected or not listened to or uh, abused, so do I. And so do my black brothers and sisters. And it's almost like you can't help as a as a white guy. I can't help but think, holy shit, you just nailed it. Excuse me, Joyce, didn't mean to curse in front of a lady. But the point is, it's like I heard that before I can tell. <laughs> the point is, it's like. You I was surprised you to apologize. <laughs> hey, hey, Keith, I, I don't want to cut you off, but we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to have to wrap up. I'm getting the warning. Yeah. You know, uh, because we're just getting started. And, uh, but and, you're right. For, for anybody who, who didn't see Dave Chappelle, I mean, and I don't, I, Keith, I know you don't do a lot of TV or anything, but he just hosted Saturday Night, yep. Saturday Night Live. Yep. And there were a lot of people that were offended and uncomfortable with his message in the beginning. And the reality is, is that somebody we need people needed to listen to that and say why am i uncomfortable with this yep. you know one of the things that we have not talked about today ira is your course in adaptability and it's so important because adaptability is part of how we're going to get ourselves out of this mess i'm, I'm learning yeah one of the skills one of the abilities is unlearning 
It, it's exactly. how to learn all the stuff that we thought was normal. Who do yeah. I got to know to get a code so I can do this training? I'd like to go through it. <laughs> I'll, I'll check with them. I'll check with them. All right. <laughs> so you, you got it. So, Always hey, a pleasure, uh, buddy. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Keep doing your thing, Joyce. Great to meet you. Thanks for coming in in a pinch here. Nice and to see you again, Katie. We've seen each here. other before. <laughs> yeah, yeah just, just in conversation, put a name with the face. Hi, hey, uh, Joyce, I know we didn't do, uh, I appreciate, uh, again, just the follow through. I got to listen to the segue now. Uh, but I will be back uh, next week with uh, Ahead of the Curve. I know um, we'll probably, whether we'll pick up the hotel hacks or, or something else. Um, but uh, you're also going to be a bigger part of the show. So really appreciate that and have a very conversation. Uh, and uh, so w welcome that. Uh, we continue to evolve and uh, and grow. And we, again, people like uh, Geeks uh, with uh, Torin Ellis, uh, very grateful that he was on and very grateful that my internet stayed up through the <laughs> We are too, yeah. right, Kate? Yeah, so really appreciate it. Uh, for all those listening, uh, on Friday, we got a special, not edition of uh, Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization, but with our mutual friend, Joyce, uh, Ed Gordon, doing our monthly Gordon report. We're going to talk about COVID-19, uh, jobs, China, all the different reports. So we're going to get an update on uh, from Ed Gordon on Friday at noon. Uh, you can catch that on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Ira Wolf. Uh, That's going today. to be a great one. So don't miss it, folks. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and as always, we will be back uh, Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern time on uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, W4CY. Uh, and then on all your favorite podcasts and the replays, uh, we will be back with Geek Skeezers and Googleization. I don't remember who our guest is next week, but we've got some, uh, again, heavy hitters, and we'll be con con continuing this conversation. As, as uh, Torrin said, uh, this is a journey. Uh, there is no end. Uh, we will be talking about this. Keith, I do hope you uh, come back and join us. Uh, you're welcome anytime. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be with you. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, Keith. Probably won't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks. See you then. Uh, for everybody listening, um, Geek Skeezers and Googleization, I'm Ira Wolf. Got Joyce Joya and Keith Campagna today. Thank you, Torrin Ellis. Hopefully, everybody shares this week's message. Don't let the shift hit your plans.